prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Zack Snyder on Army of the Dead, Batman and Superman, and Star Wars. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. You guys know the podcast. You know I like to geek out with a filmmaker, and Zack Snyder definitely fits the bill of a filmmaker I can geek out with. Um, first time guest on the podcast, surprisingly. Though I've talked to Zach many times over the years, never in this extended format. So I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that Zack Snyder, yes, um, agreed to chat for about 45 minutes with me about all aspects of his career. This is, uh, for the Snyderheads out there, this is going to be a conversation you are going to relish and enjoy. I guarantee it. He has the new film, Army of the Dead, which is out on Netflix right now, and it gives you all the Zack Snyderness you could possibly imagine and more. He, of course, made his film debut directing a zombie film, The Great Dawn of the Dead, and he has returned to the genre with a much different kind of a take, uh, a very clever conceit about a, basically a walled-off Vegas wherein a group of folks need to go in and extract some money before it's all nuked to hell. Smart premise, very Escape from New York-ish vibes. We talk about that, in fact, and it's led by the great Dave Bautista, and it's available for you right now on Netflix. But this conversation goes into a lot, a lot of different areas that you're going to be very interested in. Of course, there's all the superhero stuff, and we go into all of it. We go into the... Um, the aspects of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and all his his DC films that have been um, subject to very close scrutiny, including uh, religious allegory. Um, we talk a bunch about the casting of these iconic roles, about the actor who was the backup choice to Ben Affleck, because Ben was on the fence. Did you know that Zach met with another actor and was close to casting this other actor had Ben Affleck? not agreed to do the part. That's, a, that's what we call a tease in the business. Um, we talk about the dream Zack Snyder superhero movie, the dream DC superhero story he wish he wants to tell one day. Um, and that, that really got me excited. Uh, we talk about Star Wars. Zack Snyder, like all of us, was influenced so much by Star Wars, about the Star Wars film that Zack Snyder, in fact, um, tried to make years ago. We talk about that. We talk about his upcoming projects, including a mysterious, ginormous movie for Netflix. So there is a ton in this conversation for you guys, and Zach is a, is, if nothing else, is a fascinating figure in movies. I know he's divisive, I know some people love him, some people hate him, but you have to appreciate what he has um, brought to the film discourse. So I know you guys will enjoy this, uh, this conversation. And again, so thrilled that Zach made the time. We kept missing each other, actually. When I was in LA for movie and TV awards, I was supposed to see him there. It didn't work out because of like my COVID testing for MTV. I couldn't see him in person, uh, a long, complicated story. And then he uh, coincidentally did a Q&A um, screening here in New York while I was out in LA like literally like two blocks away from me. So um, we kept missing each other. So I I'm thrilled even over Zoom, we were able to catch up. Other things to mention. Oh, this is exciting. Uh, for MTV News, I caught up with Emma Stone. Emma Stone, um, 
I know I gush about celebrities a lot on this podcast, but that's because there are a lot of really nice folks out there, and Emma Stone, they don't come any nicer or more real and authentic than Emma Stone. Had a chance to talk to her over Zoom for a solid 30 minutes, which was great for MTV. Uh, Kind of a career conversation. Her new film, of course, is Cruella, which is on in theaters, going to be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, by the end of the week, I believe, yeah. Uh, well, we're checking out, by the way, Cruella. Gorgeous production design and costumes and all, all, all the bells and whistles are in there and a great performance at the center of it from Emma. Um, so that conversation's gonna be up on MTV News' YouTube page at the end of this week. Don't worry, I'll send out all the links, etc. on my social handles, Joshua Horowitz. So that's something to look forward to because it's been, been a little a minute since I talked to Emma. I guess it was for Zombieland Double Tap, so, uh, you know. Um, not that long ago, but certainly it's been a while since I've had this kind of in-depth conversation with her. So that's something to look forward to. Um, other things to mention, you know, I guess I'll, I'll mention again for you guys that have not checked out the Happy Say I Confused Patreon page. I encourage you, if nothing else, just to check it out and see if it's for you. No pressure. I love you guys that are here for the podcast and nothing more. But on Patreon, we are offering up uh, really cool exclusives, including video versions of the podcast when possible. Game Night, which we have two episodes up now. One of them had, uh, was led by, of course, Sam Hewen and Colin O'Donoghue and Kat McNamara. And our most recent episode, which was a blast with Jane Levy and Max Minghella and Skylar Aston. And I will just tease, and I'll tease this in the future because they're starting to come together. Um, all of a sudden, there are a bunch of really cool game night episodes with some big, big folks. So don't want to jinx them because nothing. I haven't taped them yet, but in, in, in a couple weeks span, there are going to be a few really cool uh, game nights coming up. So if you want to get in on the Patreon bandwagon, now might be the time. Happy, sad, confused. Uh, sorry, it's patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. Check that out. And the link is also in the show notes here. Okay, if you're here for Zack Snyder, let's not beat around the bush anymore. Here's my conversation with, um, again, one of the most fascinating filmmakers out there, love him or hate him. He makes stuff that's worth talking about. Um, This is my conversation with Mr. Zack Snyder. I'm sorry I missed you in New York. I was supposed to actually see you in LA. We keep missing each other, but I'm glad we're getting a chance to dive in a little more deeply today. Um, yes. You've been, uh, you've been, um, you've given us seven hours of Zack Snyder entertainment this year. This is made up for the the few years we we missed out on you. So uh, there's always a lot to talk about, man. I'm into seven hours of entertainment. I'm glad I'm I'm, I'm here to help. I Thank for our buck from Zack Snyder. <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah. I need to get back into the factory and start making. Exactly. I'll let you go in, in in forty minutes. You'll get back to the factory. Um, so let's start with a fan question because it gets at a lot of what I want to talk about today. So this is from Pamela Bennett, who wanted to know if you enjoy doing your own original material like Sucker Punch or Army, or re envisioning other materials like Justice League. Is yeah, there a different it, weight on it when you're doing it, Army versus the the DC stuff, or what? I, I don't. I don't. I feel it's kind of the opposite. You know, at this point, like where doing my own stuff is like, this is just fun, right? Like this is no, no one is going to lose their mind, you know, over the, whether or not that's in canon or right. whatever. And so um, I, I really, and, and, and I don't, weirdly, I don't, you know, if I've written it myself, I don't, like, I'm not more vested in it. Because by the time, like, say, Chris Terrio or and he and I have worked on it. It all feels the same, you right. know, 
by the time you go shoot it, you're as it's it's that it might be Batman to everybody else, but he's as far as I'm concerned, no one's ever made a Batman movie except for me. You know. No, and I get it. And not to mention those myths and legends and those icons that you love wrestling with are like, I mean, they're in my blood. They must be in your blood. Like at, from birth, they're they're like injected into our brains. So someone asked me, um, we were talking about today and they were like, it was a fan question. And the fan question was, some people have identified Christian references in your films. Is that by accident or on purpose? And I was like, well, let's put it this way. Like, it's not a endorsement and or indictment of Christianity. And it's mostly around Superman because, and I didn't invent this. He is, you know, reference has been made. Right. What was made by the creators of yeah, Superman. You're dealing the hand that was dealt. That's yeah, what he I'm is. Not, <laughs> I'm, I'm like saying, hey, also don't forget right. this owes itself to in some ways this other myth that we all are familiar with it's a pretty common thing in the way we the way the way we talk so just saying you know (laughs) (laughs) and you know it, it happens to be interesting to me and an interesting sort of conversation to have about where superman falls in our collective um experience that is to say jesus moses superman not and i'm not making a one replaces the other one is better than the other all i'm saying is that there's a conversation a mythological conversation happening around these figures and you just if you don't acknowledge that in some ways you just aren't understanding the, the weight and size of it, you know what well, I mean? And it's no surprise. That, I mean, there's a reason why Superman is the big kahuna, is the one that will always be the biggest, most important, relevant superhero to all of us is it's trading on those myths, those those stories, those... It's, 100%, 100%. So like, you know, like literally in the DCU, you know, Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman are the Trinity. It's not, I mean, come on. Right. Like, again, I'm not making this up. This is a common thing. Like, you know, don't say, oh, Zach, look at Zach trying to like weave his religious ideologies into his like superhero movies. I promise you, this is not, I didn't do, like, I'm just reminding everyone of the mythic power of these figures and we can decide what to do with them later as far as whether that's okay or not. But I'm just saying that it's important in the conversation to also acknowledge that this is a thing. That's it. We're gonna weave back around to, to your uh, your superheroes in, in a bit, but let's talk a little army because um, yeah. this one, um, you know, like many of your films, and I know it's been talked about, but it's worth reminding folks that you have a way with opening sequences. And this one certainly uh, is a bravura bit of filmmaking. It is, it's pure filmmaking and it's just, um, no dialogue, montage, music, effects, emotion, like all, all the tools in your toolbox. Um, and you've obviously spent, you must spend an enormous amount of time concentrating on your opening sequences. Um, does that come from some, I don't know, was there like an opening sequence when you were growing up in a film that really resonated with you? Is it something you just learned as you went, like you want to you catch them right from the start and just put 
a lot of effort into this first five, 10 minutes, or, or give me a sense of sort of your attitude. I had about a teacher at Art Center, um, College of Design named Mike Oneman, who was our, um, we called it, um, I think it was called the filmmaking workshop or what, it was kind of like our advanced class. And like, it's too, it's basically where you are once you've done your basics of film and you're like, you're producing, and he's kind of, he's kind of managing everybody. You know, you pitch, right. and then you shoot, you pitch and you shoot. And I think you end up, I think it's three terms of, of working with Mike. I, ca I can't remember exactly. And I remember Mike saying to us, like two things that I think are really kind of interesting. He said, you know, movies, movies in a lot of times are, are, are scenes, right? They're a collection of scenes and people, people don't remember movies and they don't talk about movies in their totality. They talk about movies in, from a scene, like to remember the part where, yeah. how about that scene where, like that's how people remember movies. They don't remember like the entire, they don't say, remember when that guy got found on that planet by that <laughs> guy who flew a freighter and they went and got caught on a moon and then they went and met the rebels and then they went back and blew it up. Like they don't, you don't, you just say, yeah. you know, remember when they went to like Mos Eisley and they went into that like yeah. bar, that was insane. It was so cool when when Obi-Wan cuts that guy's arm off. You know, it's like that moment. Anyway, so I remember that going like, geez, that's awesome. And then he also would always go like, you know, and that was, that was his thing. He's like, you know, it's all about like how you hook the audience. Like, what is it that you do that like makes them surrender to the movie? You know, and I think that that always stuck with me. Like, and I always liked that idea, you know, movies like Blue Velvet, you know, there's that, there's a thing in these movies. There's a there's an opening, first part that just like is Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect example. Like you know that, that movie's opening sequence, your brain is on. By the time he gets to the biplane, you know you're you're you like, Yeah, you're you're what in. What's happening? What yeah. is this? <laughs> this is insanity? You know, and it's 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 it's. It's well, cool. Well, it's also just like trust, right? I always love feeling like I can, I, I'm in safe hands. Like I, I'm, I'm a filmmaker has a purpose, a perspective, and I am, you know, now they might lose me at some point, but right now they've got me, and that's yeah. and that's a great place to start. Tell me what else you got? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It would be like you know you're shopping for a car, and you're like. You know, I don't want. Maybe I won't buy this one, but I'm interested in the lot. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see what they've got. Um, I want to talk about some some influences that that uh, seemingly are, are in this film. Um, I'm actually coincidentally repping uh, Snake Plissken today on a T-shirt. Oh, uh, <laughs> my boy. <laughs> so th this film begins with a, with a hell of a premise, a really smart idea that um, definitely feels a, a little inspired by Escape from New York. Hundred um, percent. It, was that a big one for you? Are you a carpenter? Yeah, I'm a big Escape from New York fan. Uh, one of the, as, as an aside, I went to a school called Art Center College of Design here in Pasadena, California, which when I went there, one of the things I was freaked out by was that the, they shot the entire, the headquarters where, where Snake is, where they shoot him up with the things. Right. They shot that at Art Center. Amazing. And so the school was that building, like the high tech interior um and i was just like i couldn't i was like this is insane and then of course you know this pulpit dam is the wall you know right, right. and I, I always thought that was an amazing you know it's huge production value right like this giant wall and you're just like how what I and just anyway i was just, that movie was you know it, you know it's one of those movies 
And by the way, also, I think, um, you know, when you look at, you know, um, Planet of the Apes, which is another big influence on this film, they're both like, and, and I think that where you see the relationship is in this idea that there is a giant conceit, right? That I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting a giant conceit to the audience. And I, so being fascinated by genre is also being fascinated by like, we as an audience, right? You know, that suspension of disbelief that we have to kind of, we have to give ourselves to the movie, like you were saying, but it's one thing to give yourself to like a romantic comedy or to a drama, you know, that's pretty straightforward, you know, like we, I was laughing the other night. I'm like, you know how, when you're watching a, a drama or like, or romantic comedy, a lot of times, you know, you can be like, you know what, that took me out of the movie, you right. know, <laughs> and it might be a little thing, you know what I mean? Yep. It could be something small. Like I didn't buy the casting of the sister. Exactly. Like she didn't, they didn't look alike to me. Or like when they cast the younger him, like, no, I, 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 I didn't buy it. And then we're talking <laughs> apes and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go with this. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, how about a planet where apes evolved and now we're the, we, they're in charge and we're the like, you know, okay. or. Uh, this feels uh, right. Yeah, this makes I can, sense. Yeah. I can see where they've turned Manhattan into a prison and they built a wall around it. You know, well, sure. Yeah. yeah, like that's where you got to go. Like, okay, that's like some heavy lifting they got to do right at the beginning to get you to, you know, or Terminator, you know, like, oh, a, a guys come from the future to kill the, <laughs> to kill the mother of the hero of the future revolution, you know, like what? Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> You know, like it's those are, and so that conversation I was having early on, just with myself and genre, and being like, okay, like I love the idea that so have fun. I guess my point is like goes back to the title sequence. You know, I my the thesis was I want to like I want to play on your love of the kind of joyful filming of maybe it's gore or the joyful like experience of like the fall of Las Vegas right. is big and beautiful and crazy. And then chip away at that slowly, musically and visually to sort of put you, like to take you all the way around to like, from thinking, oh, this is a romp. Like this is, <laughs> like, this is just, we're just, I'm just gonna hold on, it's gonna be fun. And then at the end you're like, wait, what? Exactly. <laughs> what are you doing like this is painful this is crazy um and we're I distracted that, by the mayhem yeah yeah the yeah, joyful mayhem yeah exactly and even just like richard cheese in the like music acknowledging what he's seen this kind of breaking the fourth wall part of it where you're like i mean not to go on a deep dive but i was like i've always loved title sequences awesome because by their nature they have they deconstruct the movie. You're seeing you're the, out of the movie, yeah, of course. The yeah. people who made it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. the most obvious. It's reminding you. It's a big reminder. Movie. This is a movie. This isn't real. Like that guy is an actor. That's Dave Batista. That's him. That's his real name. He's not Scott Ward. He's like, you know, there's no zombies. You know, so it's cool to like contradict that immediately with like, and I'm asking you at the same time while you're looking at the names of the guys, they're actually like in danger on the thing. Like, and, and you have to like drink the Kool-Aid of that because, you know, and so that's really fun. And I think that that's fun for um, me and for the audience and they get to kind of really, 
you know, if you care, look, for a lot of people, they're going to watch the movie. They're not genre fans. They're not deconstructing genre. They're not constantly having fun with the different references and trying to shorthand it and the Easter eggs and all that stuff. And so for them, the movie just plays for them and it's fine. And, and I'm hundred percent cool with that. But I do like also that if you care, it's, it's another, there's a, like, there's a fun cinematic conversation happening as well. Army again, reminds us that, that, you know, you know, your way around action as few filmmakers do. And I, you know, I, I like yourself have watched, a lot of action films in my time and I've become somewhat desensitized to a lot of it and I'm and I get really annoyed by a lot of action I see and by like small things like a lack of coherence in action like that kills me that like 90% of action films now I, I don't know who's fighting who or where like I, I don't know what's happening it, se- it sounds like such a basic question but it, 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 it drives me insane as someone that is like at or the top guy in that in that realm like what are your pet peeves as a as a consumer of action films? Like what, what would you like to see more of? What, what, what gets you off? What drives you crazy in action films? I do like, I am a fan, obviously, of like smart choreography. Um, Damon Caro, who I've worked with for years, is, is, is my fight choreographer and stunt coordinator and um, second unit director. I, I don't like um, giving a lot to second unit. Um, and when I do, it's got to be Damon because he's like one of the only guys I trust um, because he and I have worked together for so long. Right. You know, he, he gets, he knows what I, and we, because we work so closely on the stunt biz and we, we, we basically get to the point where, you know, I'm like, okay, that's good stunt biz. Just go replace it with actors. Now, now it's about execution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go, yeah. go put the actors in those parts <laughs> and film it the same way. Yeah. So we know. And also, you know, I'm, I'm really a stickler for beginning, middle and end. What is the, what is the miniature movie of the, of the sequence? You know, like what is the movie inside of even just this, by the way, even just in one small, like one small fight, I'm like, okay, so the second act is he loses the gun. And then the third act is he grabs the knife. You know what I mean? Like I like, and we build it that way all the time. So every single thing is kind of built on these sort of, little three beat sequences where we go bop, 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 and it could build and build and build. And then you can look at the whole thing and be like, oh, now here's the three acts of, of like Sam Wynn when she's fighting the zombies in the kitchen, like each of those, because the first act is the knife, like knife, knife, knife. Second act is she goes to the machine gun. Third act is to the pistols, right? right. And, you know, it's a really kind of, and then the larger sort of three act concept is she gets betrayed. She fights her way back. The end of the second act is she gets caught behind the door. And then her third act is she busts through. She, she does a thing people didn't think, but then she sacrificed. She kind of has to get sacrificed to get out. It's kind of fascinating. It's like a nesting doll of like action within action within drama within action within it is and, but by the way but it's oh but it, what it allows is that you're always pushing it always pushes you forward you know yeah. like it always pushes you forward and it's it, and i and i think that it's i think that a lot of you know whenever i talk to like students and stuff i always say like guys keep that when you're doing action when you're doing even the smallest action like sometimes in a student film you'll even have you know, you might have even a small chase scene or one little thing that happens. I go, but just do that little exercise. 
And you'll find that if you don't kind of have a middle beat, it'll you'll you'll feel it like you'll yeah. feel that you're that, it, that, that it's not worked out, you know. And because I'm like, and also do the work, you know. I'm a physical guy, and I like, you know, analyzing the fights pretty carefully. And I think that's probably one of my pet peeves about the other action films that are happening is that I don't know how much the directors are involved in the actual action. Right, they farmed it out to their second they unit. Farm really, yeah. Farm yeah. And and I and I love to farm it out, but Damon and I are like You're really totally locked up. Yeah, no, yeah, I got you. Hundred percent. So I know you, like many, like myself, your world was rocked. And I think it was when you were 11 years old, when you saw Star Wars, it changed. It, it, you know, it, how could it not blow a, a child's brain apart in the best possible way? What's your, what's your relationship with Star Wars now? Because um, I, I find it complicated for myself. I mean, I love Mandalorian. I love Glass Jedi. I mean, where do you think, like, what, what, what did you enjoy? What have you had, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... I don't think I can ever, I would ever not love Star Wars. I don't think I'm capable of that. Um, am I nostalgic? Like is Empire really as good as I think it is? Doesn't matter. Um, Cause you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you can't, it's hard to beat, you can't beat it. It's just, yeah. it's just relentlessly awesome. And also just as a two movie affair, Star Wars and Empire really, for me, at that point in my life, the way even the trailer for Empire um, and the way it suggests an expansion of the universe to the exotic is like, you know, I remember that I remember distinctly um, the shot in the trailer where 3PO rips off the, the, this like sign off the door in Hoth, which is not in the movie. Um, it's, it's, it's not in the movie. I'm like, and it, it occurred to me like, wow, they shot stuff that's not in the movie. <laughs> like, that was the first time I even like, got that that is the thing. The Snyder um, Cut was born when you watched yeah, Empire. I literally, I literally <laughs> probably was. Um, and then, you know, and there's that shot like of all the bounty hunters and they're all, and it's just like, yeah, you each know, one tells, like a, is like evocative of another story. Like there are 10 stories on that platform. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, it's that it's the ancient world building that was going on. Yeah. It really is amazing. So, yes. Yeah, so my, and so my relationship right now, like I, I, yeah. And I watched Mandalorian and I, and I, and I liked it, but I think that like, and I like Rogue One. I thought that was, I'm nostalgic, you know, for that, for that stuff. I like me some X-Wings, you know, like old school X-Wings and back in the day there was talk of this Kurosawa inspired Star Wars project yeah I mean yeah yeah and I and I and I we talked about it but it never you know I'll, I mean I've been working on it just away from the Star Wars universe just for on my own just as a sci-fi thing that well, I just, it's, it's now kind of reiterated as a different kind of project now or yeah, it's just kind of like it's still a sci-fi thing it's the same story just kind of now it's I'm kind of let Star Wars be Star Wars, and I'm just gonna, you know, the 11 year old me, you know, still wants yeah. to make that. I just don't, I, now I just know how to. So maybe we'll see that someday. Did, did, did the initial project have familiar characters? Like, was it like Boba no. Fett? And, no, no, it was just all. No. no, my idea was just give me the keys and I'll take her for a spin. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's a long life. We'll see. Well, maybe it'll come back around or a different project. We you gotta hope. Like, yeah. At that time, there was no Star Wars. Star Wars wasn't really. It was the middle time. It was right after they had done the prequels and before the sale. So they it was just sell like, to Disney. Yeah, yeah, I got I you. I just was like, you know what? I can fix that. I can do something. <laughs> I was thinking the other day. I mean, you know, obviously you have Dawn. Then it leads into Three Hundred. I'm curious, like, you know, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns for me, yeah. like many, it was, it was Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns were the two. That's, that's my, that's my white whale, Dark Knight Returns. So that's, that's what I was going to ask. Okay, that's, so, my holy, that's my holy grail. One day. Up so there. You, you, obvi- <laughs> you obviously, you know, you mine parts of it in a way for BVS, but the, the, I remember that this story remains. This was like, I think you've shot too much of that to make it. And I was like, I haven't, I promise you. So is, the, is that a dream one day? And would it like, I mean, do you, do you, have you, would it be Cavill and would it be Affleck? I mean, is that no, how you mind so. I think it would just be its own thing. Really? Yeah, I think it would be its own thing. I would just do it 100% Watchmen style, you know, really frame accurate, really, really do it. Amazing. I don't think it would be that expensive, to be honest. It's not like a... No. I don't think so. It's kind of a, it's pretty gritty. But like, you know, there's that dialogue in there. It's just incredible. You know, the, re- the, the, the VO in that movie is just like, it's like, it's Frank at his best, you know, that whole, like, you know, the yeah. rain on my chest is a baptism or whatever that fucking just. <laughs> I remember back in the day. Yeah. It was like, there was, it was the fan casting. And it was like Clint as like, back in the day, Clint could have done it. It would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of guy you need, you know, some crusty, awesome, you know, it's hard to say who it would be right now, but. You know, you'd have to look around. Yeah. I don't know that we have like a, like it's obvious. Yeah. But someone in their sixties or seventies, that kind of. Yeah. But you want, I think, I think, I think probably in their fifties that they could play their sixties, you know, like early sixties. Cause I I don't know how old he really would have to look again. I think he's like still in his late fifties in the comic book. Is he? Okay. Yeah. 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 But still that's old for, you know, knocking around fighting. I always love also how big he is in the movie. Oh my God. like he's still, I mean, in the book, because there's that whole bit where he's trying to grab that gun and he can't get his finger in the trigger guard because it's so little. You know, like that's that's cool. Or where he's got, you know, there's that shot where he's got um, Carrie and he's like, you know, and she's just so small in his arms and right. just like, yeah, you just have to find some big fucking guy. It's like, you know, who's huge? I don't know. Right. When Man of Steel began for you, and I believe it began with with Christopher coming to you. It's as, like, as uh, oh, you know who it is? It's um. Yeah. It's like Howie Long. <laughs> it's like Howie, you know what I mean? I mean, physically sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll no, give you that. Saying, I was just thinking of a picture. Yes, no, I, no, I don't know. I don't know that he can play it, but I'm just Square saying. head kind of, I yeah, had, I got, yeah. If you had Howie Long yeah, and yeah. like Robert De Niro, yeah. you stick them together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, and, uh, Christopher, I believe, brought you the idea of doing a Superman film. Is that correct? It was yeah. it began with Nolan. So my question is, was there any talk in your mind? Did you want it to be at first in his in his continuity? Was that off the table to ever have it be? It was not role? 100% off the table. Um, we did talk about it a little bit. The, the whole thing is that, like, I think that it's difficult. And, and it would have been interesting because that would have meant just doing the math uh that the batman maybe that's why we didn't do it that if we had done that the batman in this movie would have been uh probably um uh, oh bail no it wouldn't have been bail oh it would have been joseph joseph gordon you're joseph right gordon. oh yeah, yeah yeah i didn't think about it. yeah of course yeah. would have been joseph yeah which could have been cool yeah um 
you know, so also I think he kind of, and I don't blame him. I, I like that, you know, his thing doesn't get muddied by these other right. touches. It has a very, it's a, a tight box he's created. It's that's box, always be that. And I'm, I, I, you know, I didn't want, I, I'm glad I didn't, you know, fuck with it because it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice trilogy and I, yeah. and I, I enjoy it. So um, it's cool. You, you have a, a way with casting and like Cavill, uh, Affleck, Gal, uh, you know, all, down, the, down the line. Wh which of them was the biggest fight for you? Which of them was the one you really had to go to bat for in the end, do you think? Any of your Justice League? It was a discussion on everybody, you know, a pretty, pretty big discussion on everybody. I think Gal was probably the most, um, and not that, not that people didn't see it eventually, but I think at first it was a bit of a, I, I think that they just didn't understand like their version of Wonder Woman was like Linda Carter. Right. And All American. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they're, they're I, and I had immediately said, I want a European Wonder Woman. And they were like, why? why? And I was like, well, because she grew up in Themyscira, which is not like she wouldn't have an American accent. Doesn't make any sense. Right. Like she, she, she she's not from <laughs> Oklahoma. She's right. from freaking Themyscira. It's a weird <laughs> It's a quite different place. Like Slightly, yeah. Closer to ancient Greece than it is, you know, to, um, you know, Kansas, Kansas or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that was the, I think that was the big jumping off point, you know, once they kind of, and I think with Momoa, it was also, again, they were like, he's blonde. Right. You know, it was that thing of like, everyone had a picture in their head. And I, and I think that thanks to Watchmen and Dark Knight, you know, and being a bit of a comic book fan and this, and, and being able to deconstruct a bit, I was able to kind of transcend like the, the pictures to some extent. Right. I mean, I think Cavill is right on the nose, you know? And it's I undeniable. Think, you see him in the suit. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, I get it. I, Affleck is directly on the nose as well. Like Affleck is an incredible Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. If you can't. If, if you hadn't convinced Ben to do it, did you have a plan B? I mean, I know, like, I remember here, like, Brolin was in the mix, which would have been cool, honestly. I could have um, seen that one. Um, Matthias um, Schoenhardt was, um, yeah, he was, I, I was talking to him a lot about. Oh, that's fascinating. Did he ever get in the suit? He never got in the suit, but I did do a bunch of mock-ups with him because Ben was on the fence, you know. Right. right. And I don't blame him. Everyone should be on the fence when you're asked, <laughs> you want to play Batman. Yeah, that's it a big comes one. with a lot of comes with a lot of um <laughs> as he well know as he knows well yeah. by now. Yeah. Yeah. Um did you ever read Ben's script for his solo Batman film? Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Manganello is in Manganello. Yeah. Also, you know, Manganello has a whole like has his whole origin script, like this kind of low budget, gritty, cool. I know. I know. That was gonna be cool too. So um we covered a lot of, of Justice League recently, so I won't go over too much, but I did, I'm curious, you showed off at a screening, I think recently, an image from that Green Lantern scene. Yeah, from the Green Lantern shoot that we did. So is, is there any Wayne, scenario? Wayne, Wayne was great in the little scene. It, well, is, are, yeah, can you no, show, can, could you show that at like a screening at some point? Are you ever gonna be able to show that? I don't think so, because I don't have the, I don't have the Ben side. I mean, I have the Ben side, but then what happened was, when we shot Wayne's side, it was like obvious to me that we were gonna have to redo Ben's side again because Wayne was really good. <laughs> and not to say that Ben was bad, but Ben was just acting at a tennis ball, sure. you know? And, you know, 
we were like, I had a green light shining on him. And he was like, who, what, who are you? You know, and it was like, and not that, and Ben's good. Don't get me wrong. It's not yeah. a bad, it's not a bad scene, but it was a different thing. Yeah. at the benefit of knowing everything that was happening. I showed him the scene. He knew exactly what, what was, he knew he was confident and like, you know, and also now that we've like the scale of dark side and everything, what we, we, we know what it is, right. you know, I, at that point, he hadn't even seen a picture of dark side. Ben hadn't, he didn't even know what, you know, he's like dark side, I guess, is what's he going to be like? I'm like, he's this big dude. He's scary. You know? So I think now in hindsight, and by the way, and I was able, when we did the Martian Manhunter scene, I had so much more information to get Ben, you know? And I also like the water that's gone, you know, Ben, even though like, he's much more in that scene with Martian Manhunter that we shot, he's much more, um, it was cathartic, you know, you could feel it, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I could, I could, you could see him, you know, even when he met, your parents would be proud, you know, and he's just like, I hope so. You know, it's like really this kind of non-superhero reaction, which I like. Did you, how far but down the road? Seen? I don't know. Not, yeah. not, I mean, maybe, you know, I got that one shot at some point, there's one shot of Wayne where he goes, my name's John Stewart and I'm a Green Lantern. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. It's a push in, brings his fist up. But you know, it's kind of temp effect, but it'd be worth seeing probably. Yeah, so. totally, totally. <laughs> we talked a little bit last time about the, um, you know, the death of Robin, which people I know are, are you know, that's one of many things people would love to see yeah. enacted on screen one day. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you have an actor in mind or did you, and did you have like a specifics of the sequence? Like how, did, how Robin went down under, uh, how Joker took him out? You know, I didn't have, I don't have it 100, you know, and we talked about that, you know, we were going to do the comic book. Uh, I don't know if we did, but yeah, yeah, we were going to do the comic book and um, I, I had thought about it a bunch, but I hadn't really like done the beat by beat, like what was the drama and what was the fight, you know? Yeah. I liked, you know, let's just say Robin got some licks in. <laughs> I don't want him to go down without a fight. Oh God. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, you know, obviously army, you uh, a bit of more of a running gun approach than, mm. than, than the scale, the kind of the, the grandeur of a justice league. Could you imagine that kind of that approach applying to a kind of comic book, a certain comic book character or character or story? Would it lend itself to uh, a superhero story? It's certain. I mean, it certainly could. I mean, I think that it's very much, you know, like if you're doing like any mission movie, I mean, it has a good, it's a good feel. Army is a great feel for any kind of mission movie. I really like the sort of dirty dozen feel yeah. that you can get from it. And it's all kind of like, it's pretty gritty, but it's also, it's kind of more artful. I don't mean to be rude in, in its approach, but it's just like, you know, it's very specific. And, you know, because I'm the DP and kind of camera, camera operator, you, you get much more, it has a lot of personality, um, yeah. which, which I, which I, which I like. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it certainly could. I always talk about Electra lives again too, as a comic book that you could make. I'm looking at my comic books. Yeah. That's always, you know, cause it's such a good looking, um, comic book. Um, hard boiled too. We talked about a little bit. Oh, here it is. You know, I, I think that this, this is just such a, you know, it's got a lot of great, you know, it's got a lot of these great, a lot of these great panels in it, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. unbelievable. I think that would be fun. 
And then even that last scene in the cathedral, you know, like this stuff. This is this is like, you know, that's like Frank and Lynn just doing their thing, you know, like they used to in the old days. I just take it. Do you still do you keep in touch with Frank Miller? Do you talk to him? I talked to him a bit. I talked to him a bit. You know, when I was working on, he and I talked about, you know, when I started working on the the last installment of um, 300 that I was supposed to be writing and then I ended right. up writing something else. You know, I wrote that Hephaestian Alexander love story and it kind of turned out not to be the sequel, the, the last chapter. You know, it's like one of those things like you don't know what's going to happen. Like you sit down in front of your you sit down with your legal pad and start writing and then you start doing some research. And I have this amazing um, historian, Bettany Hughes, that I work with, right? Bettany was our historian on 300 and she's like just amazing genius, like historian, you know, mm -hmm. she's just, out. she's constantly WhatsApping me like, oh, Zach, I'm in Alexandria. <laughs> The, you know, and I'm like, holy shit, like, what did you it's find? It's a good resource to have, yeah. And she's like, I've just found a new tomb. And it's <laughs> you got Indiana Jones looking for new literally, stories she's for Indiana Jones. She's literally Indiana Jones. But like, they're like, uh, like an amazing romantic Indiana Jones. Like, amazing. just loves history and just, you know, she and I are always musing about like, just like what, what it must have been. Just like every now and then she just sends me like this, the sounds of birds, right? I don't know where she was. I think she was in like somewhere in Turkey or someplace, right? And she goes, because we were talking about Alexander the Great. And she goes, you know, they must have, when they, somewhere where they came through at one point, you know, and she's like, oh, you know, Alexander must have come right through here and blah, blah, blah. And he stopped for water, possibly at this very river with his men and everything. And then she just like recorded for like 30 seconds. Note, there's no sounds of anything, but just these birds, like loud birds in these trees. And she's just like, this is what he would have heard. You know, these are the, these are the birds that he would have heard. I'm just <laughs> like, to well, your ears. Yeah, like, it's just <laughs> awesome. You know? It's like, it makes you really, you know, and you can imagine I'm trying to write, I'm start like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, it's a love story. <laughs> like, <laughs> Can't deny it now. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, that's just cool. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I'm just like, uh, and that's what happened when I was writing it just like when I did the research and just talking about Festian and Alexander and just like who they were and like um, you know and I'm sure certainly I'm, I'm I'm taking some leaps of faith as you do um but but that's kind of what it's about um and you end up with this so yeah so I, I was talking to Frank a lot but before that but then I haven't talked to him since um I I, I did that but uh, two other quick things I mean one other um but I do, one of your, one of your most video. divisive films, quote unquote, would probably be Sucker Punch. And probably for that yeah. reason, you probably love it more than most of them. It's like, you know, the child you pay most attention to. I heard you mention that you have a another cut of it you might pursue. Can you say anything? Oh, no, I absolutely would pursue. I just think that like, you know, it's one of those things like I was talking this morning about like, you know, you go, I went down a rabbit hole with, with well, that movie was supposed to be rated R, right? I wrote, it was a hard R when I wrote it. It was really intense and scary. And it was really meant to, you know, it's probably the movie that I feel like is the most misunderstood movie that I made, you know, just in its, in its, and it's funny because like, even just like to have someone say like, oh, you know, that's like the masturbation fantasy of a 12 year old. You're like, wow, like that, that feels, that feels like 
I must have miscommunicated the entire thing because that is the exact opposite. Well, right. you're you're because I would the say whole this. Is you're trading on the tropes of that, and then I, it, yeah. said, I would say this: if it if it's the masturbation fantasy of a twelve year old, I would only say that. Um, I hope that it that what it would do is if you, if you if you're acknowledging that, then you're culpable for the fantasy. You know that's what I'm trying to do. Right. I'm trying to make you say, "Fair enough." You're complicit. <laughs> but are you not complicit? Like, do, yeah. because you got that, because you got that far with it, can you not go all the way? Can you not come all the way back around to you saying you did that? Yeah. Like, I remember being in the chunk and people saying like, why did you dress the girls that way? And I'd be like, why did you? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, why did you? Do? And they're like, rah, 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 and they get all mad at me and whatever. And I, and I just, and like the girls and I, we were all in cahoots. You know, all the all of us were like, this is the movie we're making. And, and but I will say that I did I did kowtow to the studio and I did buckle under a lot of pressure with the budget and the PG-13. And like it was the first movie I think that I made where I felt pressure to change it, really change it. Yeah. You know, with where we're, you know, like we were testing the movie a lot and like the, the 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 focus groups were saying like less you know references to you know whatever and more fighting you know and I think that was I don't know you know and in the end I was like because there's this amazing the movie has a not completely different ending but a, like a real like there's a whole musical number at the end and like this really bizarro ending that just never and I loved it and it was like everyone was like no like, don't do that. And I was like, okay, well, I'll tell that history decide, I guess, at some point. <laughs> I had the great Scott Glenn on my podcast recently, and that guy is the real deal. I can see how he you is, would, uh, oh my God. He is. The best. Is. Well, we were talking about, like, you know, Army was supposed to, like, I wrote it for Scott originally. Amazing. I can right? see it. Yeah. You know, like, the character is named Scott. Of course. Because that's why. All right, one last quick thing. I know you have to run, but blank check tomorrow. What's the movie you make? Is there a, is there a completed script? Is I know you have all these things in different stages of development. If I greenlight your two hundred million dollar dream project at this point in your life, what is it? That's a tough one. Well, the thing I'm working on right now that I'm working with Netflix to try and finalize, I think that's what I would do. It um, it would be fun. I'm very interested in an army sequel too, by the way. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. if a thing is desired. Um, but Can yeah. you hint at what the, what the Netflix project is at all? Like what's uh, I know, I, I, ooh, so close. So okay. close. Okay. It's we'll get very, there. You, you'll, I think you'll be happy. Um, but um, we'll, we'll talk about it after, but uh, yeah. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. I think, it's, um, uh, I think it'd be, it's serendipitous to our conversation. Okay. I'm going to analyze this conversation after the fact. Um, Zach, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you're um, a great filmmaker and a great conversationalist. I love geeking out with you always. Uh, congratulations on Army of the Dead. Everybody should check it out, of course, on Netflix. And one of these days, we will actually be in the same city and we'll catch up. I don't think it's long. I don't think it's long. I'm optimistic. All right, yeah. man. Thanks again. Well, thank you, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. 
I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>